हरे कृष्णा वेलकम टू दिस एपिसोड ऑफ ए एम ए एम आस्क मी एनीथिंग मंडेज एंड टूडेज एपिसोड सेवन आई एम जस्ट वंडरिंग वाई द क्वेश्चन आर नॉट हियर सो वी डिड अ लिटल बिट डिफरेंटली दिस टाइम इन सेटिंग अप दिस ए एम ए एम सो वी वर एक्सपेरिमेंटिंग विद समथिंग एंड दैट्स द रीज़न आई थिंक द the questions did not come in. oh anyway i do have the questions don't worry about it i have all the questions anyway we'll just uh, say our prayers and then we will start the session <coughs> om namo bhagavate vasudevaya om namo bhagavate vasudevaya om namo bhagavate vasudevaya ओम ज्ञानतिरांधस्या ज्ञानांजना शलाकया चक्षुर्मेलिम येन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम श्रीचैतन्यमनोभीष्ट स्थात येन भूतले स्वयं रूप कदा मह्यम ददा स्वदाकम वंदेहम श्रीगुरोयुतपकमल श्रीगुरून वैष्णवांश साग्रजात सह गणरघुनाथान्वितम तम सजीव साद्वैत सवधूत पिजन सहित कृष्णचैतन्यदेवराधाकृष्णपादगणलिता श्री विशाखान्ता <coughs> हे कृष्णकुणा सिंधो दीनबंधो जगत्पते गोपेश गोपिकाधाकांतनमोस्तुते तप्तकांचन गौरांगी राधे वृंदवनेश्वरी वृषभानुसुते देवी प्रणमा हरिप्रि वाछाकलतरुभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतिता पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नम नम ओं विष्णुपदाय कृष्णप्रेष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते भक्तिदस्वामीनामिने नमस्ते सारस्वतीदेव गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषून्यवादी पाश्चातिणे जय श्रीकृष्णचैतन्याभुनंद श्री अद्वैतगदाधर श्रीवासादिगौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे ऑल राइट सो वेलकम टू आवर ए एम ए एम आस्क मी एनीथिंग मंडेज बट टुडे इज अ ट्यूजडे बिकॉज वी हैव पोस्टपोन येस्टरडेज सेशन टू टुडे बिकॉज आई वॉज बिजी येस्टरडे विथ समथिंग एल्स दिस इज एपिसोड सेवन एंड what i was saying in the beginning was i had actually we did we did the setup of this particular live stream a little differently because of which the questions which were asked as comments did not come through but fortunately we have saved all the questions and we will going through the we'll be going through the questions in this live stream but i think next time i would want to do it differently back again to the old ways i was doing it so that everything was in sync because when i come online usually i just see all the questions here but um it's not there today but anyway don't worry all the questions are here i have them i have them all saved so don't worry nothing will be lost but next time i will do it differently <laughs> all right so let's begin i think we have a lot of questions today and you have you can you have free to ask more questions all right next just take this 
<coughs> Hare Krishna. So that's that. So first question by Vanajakshi Mataji. In Bhagavad Gita, chapter 5, uh, text 1, Arjuna asks the question to Bhagavan, Krishna, Sri Krishna. Being worried about the contradiction of the two statements on Karma Sanyasa Yoga and Karma Yoga. I think the full question is not here, right? One second. I did not copy the full question. Um, let me just copy that. So this was the full question. Sorry. So Prabhuji, could you kindly enlighten on all those verses from the previous chapter which lead Arjuna to come up with such a doubt? Okay, so let's go first to the 5.1, the question itself. Chapter 5, text 1. Arjuna Uvacha Sanyasam Karmanam Krishna Punar Yogam Chasam Shamsasi Yachheya Eta Yorekam Tanme Bruhisu Nishchitam. So, of course, you have asked all the verses that um, are prior to this that led Arjuna to this. Okay, this can be a class, so I don't want to go into very elaborate um, depths into this, but I will just see what is here. Let's see what is here. Fourth chapter. So he was talking, uh, Krishna spoke about the way of transcendental knowledge. And that's the name, I mean the title of this chapter. <coughs> so all the kinds of, uh, in fact we are actually doing this chapter right now. Uh, in our Bhagavad Gita sessions. And all the kinds of yajnas, the sacrifices that are mentioned here. And then finally, not finally, halfway through we go through this. Um, instruction where Krishna asks us to go to the spiritual master. We have to learn this truth in, under the guidance of the spiritual master. And then when we do that, all our um, sinful reactions, as it is said here, you see 437, as a blazing fire turns firewood into ashes, O Arjuna, so does the fire of knowledge burn to ashes all reaction to material activities. That is one thing. Another thing is you will get knowledge when you come to a guru, a bona fide guru, this is what will happen. Having obtained real knowledge from a self-realized soul, you will never fall again into such illusion. For by this knowledge, you will see that all living beings are but part of Supreme or in other words, they are mine. So these two are the significant uh, consequences of taking initiation from a spiritual master. You will get knowledge, transcendental knowledge, and your sinful reactions will be eradicated. So... In this world, there is nothing so sublime and pure as transcendental knowledge. Um, <clears throat> and one who has become accomplished in the practice of devotional service enjoys, um, where we, enjoys the knowledge within himself in due course of time. But ignorant and faithless persons who doubt the revealed scriptures do not attain God consciousness, they fall down. For the doubting soul, there is happiness neither in this world nor in the next. One who acts in devotional service, renouncing the fruits of action 
and whose doubts have been destroyed by transcendental knowledge is situated factually in the self. Thus, he is not bound by the reactions of work, O conqueror of riches. Therefore, the doubts which have arisen in your heart or of ignorance should be slashed by the weapon of knowledge. Armed with yoga, O Bharata, stand and fight. So, that's the conclusive words um, of the fourth chapter. No, this five. One. So, let's go back actually. This one. Yoga sanyasta karmanam jnana sanchinna samshayam atmavantam na karmani nibadhnanti dhananjaya One who acts in devotional service, renouncing the fruits of his actions and whose doubts have been destroyed by transcendental knowledge is situated factually in the self. Thus, he is not bound by the reactions of work or conqueror of riches. So, you will see some similarities in this wording and the question of Arjuna. Here he is saying, Yoga sanyasta karmanam jnana sanchinna samshayam So, regarding this, if you see, first of all, you asked me to renounce work. Sanyasam karmanam krishna punar yogam cha shamsasi yachreya etayorekam tanme bruhi sunishchitam. This is very nicely Arjuna is asking because in the third chapter, it's all about work, karma yoga, how to uh, give up our fruits of actions and how to offer them all to Krishna, as you know, 3.9. Yajnyarthat karma nonyatra lokoyam karma bandhanaha tadartham karma konteya mukta sangha samacharam. Work done as a sacrifice for Vishnu has to be performed, otherwise, work causes bondage in this material world. Therefore, O son of Kunti, Perform your prescribed duties for his satisfaction and in that way you will always remain free from bondage. So even in the second chapter, 47th verse, it is said that we have to renounce the fruits of our actions. So that is Karma Yoga. And here there is devotional service. Punar Yogam Sasham Sasi. Work with devotion. So this is actually a difficult thing to understand for many people of how to renounce work and at the same time work in devotion because work in devotion looks very similar to work for sense gratification as an example I mean um, you may see that an ordinary person he may go to the supermarket and buy some things a devotee also may go to the supermarket and buy some things but he will cook for Krishna the devotee whereas the um, the karmi he will just cook for himself and that's a vast difference. It's just a small thing added that the devotee does. He offers it to Krishna before he eats. But that just that small thing completely changes the quality of that food. So this secret is unknown to the materialist. And therefore, an ordinary person, he Arjuna is especially asking this because first of all. Um, ordinary person cannot understand the difference between the two it looks like I, I gave you the example before as well if a, if a wallet is on the on the street somebody's wallet has dropped on the street the first I mean the third class person would just see it and put it in his pocket and that's it that's what he will do the second person will see it okay that's not mine he's a gentleman he does not 
bother much. But the first class person, he will actually pick up the wallet and then he will try to find if there is any detail of the owner and then he will contact the owner and get it back to him. Now, in picking up the wallet, the third class person and the first class person look the same. Both pick up the wallet. So, if we immediately judge, um, we will come to a wrong conclusion. We may, <laughs> we may call that um, first class person a thief without waiting for what he is going to do next. If he is just going to put it in his pocket and drive home, um, then he is a thief. But if he is going to pick it up and then try to make the arrangement to make it um, reach the owner, uh, that's totally different. In that way, the second class person is distinctly different in his behavior from the third class person. And of course, also the first class person. But we are comparing it to the, the baseline third class person. So the second class person looks entirely different from the third class person. But the first class person surprisingly looks similar to the third class person. So, but the, but the intention is totally different. So similarly, a karmi will be in this world. He will not renounce anything. He will just be in this world. And he will try to enjoy in this world the fruits of his actions. Whereas the jnani who tries to renounce this world, he, you know, goes into seclusion. He goes into the Himalayas or, you know, some kind of meditation or some kind of, especially speculation about the absolute truth or yoga. Either go into the Himalayas and practice yoga or take to the study of Vedas. He's very much different in his uh, lifestyle from the third class person. I mean, nothing, almost nothing in common. Whereas the first class person, the devotee, he doesn't go to the Himalayas. In fact, Prahlad Maharaj said, you see, Prahlad Maharaj in the seventh canto says that I don't want to go to this Himalayas. You see, 7944. Prayena Naitan vihaya kripanan vimumuksha eko nanyam vadasya sharanam brahmato nupashe. My dear Lord Narsimhadev, I see that there are many saintly persons indeed, but they are interested only in their own deliverance. You see this? Not caring for the big cities and towns, they go to the Himalayas or the forest to meditate with vows of silence, Maunavrata. They are not interested in delivering others. As for me, however, I do not wish to be liberated alone, leaving aside all these poor fools and rascals. I know that without Krishna consciousness, without taking shelter of your lotus feet, one cannot be happy. Therefore, I wish to bring them back to shelter at your lotus feet. In other words, let me echo the same thing that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, in connection with this, he said, wherever is the um, biggest population, the most dense population, populated part of the world, there should be a Hare Krishna te temple. So, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur's mission was always that. He never, he never liked to be in some seclusion somewhere, you know, where nobody is. He did not like. Although, it looks very peaceful when you are in a, like, you know, in a, in a place where no human congestion is there and it's very peaceful and scenic. 
you know it's good but it's good for what sense gratification yeah it's good for me to enjoy this thing but prahlad maharaj said i don't want to enjoy this beauty of the nature or the comfort of not associating with worldly people i don't want that i want to be where the worldly people are most densely congregated and i want to broadcast this message so that it reaches as many people as possible so a devotee is always found in the i mean a real preacher devotee who is empowered to preach he is found in the dense cities which are you know hubs of materialism and therefore even a prime example is shri prabhupada he went to new york the absolute epicenter of materialism and there he started international society for krishna consciousness he incorporated the society in new york and that is a testimony to our rupanuga principle that no matter what it is everything has to be used for krishna's service if crowd if the number of people are there then we will go there and let ourselves be heard that's the whole point and because the work the the intricacies of work are very difficult to understand i think krishna also said that in the fourth chapter um karmano karmano hapi bodhavyam bodhavyam cha vikarmanah akarmanast cha bodhavyam gahana akarmano gatihim you see 4.17 of bhagavad gita the intricacies of action are very hard to understand therefore one should know properly what action is what forbidden action is and what inaction is if you go to bhagavad gita the index of bhagavad gita you see you see the titles of these chapters you see karma yoga here transcendental knowledge fourth chapter and fifth chapter you see karma yoga again <clears throat> because arjuna asked this question how to understand karma how to understand action in devotion and action in uh, i mean renouncing the fruits of action what is the difference between them and what what is better so again krishna comes back to the topic and elaborates even more so this is this is why to make it clear for us of course arjuna is as krishna surya sama maya andhakar jahan krishna tahan nahi maya radhikar so wherever krishna is there is no ignorance he is like the sun full of light full of illumination so arjuna could not have been possibly in ignorance but his questioning is um opening the doors for krishna to speak this knowledge for our understanding or for our deeper understanding of the matter so that's why arjuna asked this question so that it becomes very evident and clear and no doubts left uh, in order for the future population to take this up uh conclusively without any doubts because krishna said in, in the fourth chapter in the end of fourth chapter that those who are doubtful they will not attain perfection so arjuna wanted to remove all the doubts you see right at the end of the fourth chapter agnyaschasraddha dhanascha samshayatma vinashyati samshayatma vinashyati nayam lokosti naparo nasukham samshayatmanah but ignorance and ignorant and faithless persons who doubt the revealed scriptures do not attain god consciousness for the doubting soul there is happiness neither in this world nor in the next so he if so is it wrong to have doubts no it is okay to have doubts in fact if we do not have any doubts we must be worshiping krishna 
the only person with absolutely no doubts about <clears throat> about life its aim its intricacies is the devotee of krishna <clears throat> everybody else is doubtful of this whole thing they are not sure so in the beginning everyone is doubtful in fact the vedas say the vedanta sutra starts with that athato brahma jignasa now that you have a human form you can clear your doubts by asking questions about brahma about your spiritual nature everybody is asking questions even the animals are asking questions shri prabhupada said what is the meaning of the, all the chirping of the birds right in the early in the morning so many birds are just chirping and making a deafening noise what are they doing inquiring where is food where is sex where is shelter where is defense this is the this is the subject matter of chirping and <clears throat> the whole human society is also predominantly 99.999% of the people in this world especially in this kali yuga are talking of these things these four things ahara nidra bhaya maithunam these four things are the doubts um are the subjects and they of course have many subcategories sahasrashah nirnam santi sahasrashah they have thousands of subject matters but all classified under these four headings of food um, eating sleeping mating defending but human life is meant for brahma jignasa so that is the very um, benchmark of the human civilization if that is not there if there is no inquiry about our spiritual nature atma tatva atma jignasa or brahma jignasa or jivasya tatva jignasa same thing in the bhagavatam it is said if this jignasa questioning questioning is the beginning of removal of doubts provided we ask humbly pariprashnena submissive inquiry from a bona fide spiritual master no no use uh, having i mean putting forward submissive questions to a person who is not a bona fide spiritual master on the other hand if the spiritual master is bona fide but if i put questions which are challenging in, not in the mood of learning but in the mood to defeat the spiritual master also i will not gain anything so it has to be done the guru must be proper the disciple must be proper the questioning must be proper the service must be proper and then everything will flow so arjuna is the perfect student and krishna is the perfect spiritual master and here he is asking the submissive question of how to understand difference between renunciation of work and action in krishna consciousness in fact this answer to this question goes all the way in the fifth chapter and also bleeds on to the sixth chapter as well even in the first chapter first verse of the sixth chapter also he is talking about renunciation of work and what is actual renunciation of work because honestly speaking there is no difference between renunciation of work and working in krishna consciousness because a krishna conscious person automatically renounces the work uh, the material work but he takes up all kinds of um, undertakings in krishna's service although he is fully busy in krishna activities he is considered renounced because for his own sense gratification he has no endeavor he has no projects in his life to further his sense gratification but he is filled up with so many projects for krishna's glorification so that is uh, the difference between action in a renunciation of action and action in krishna consciousness and we cannot 
have this answer complete without these two verses from Rupa Goswami Anashrita Karma Phalam I'll show you this this is very important verse two verses actually which every devotee oh sorry Prapanchakataya um, Here, 6.10. <coughs> These two verses should be in memory of every single devotee. This is from Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu. And you see this. Anasaktasya vishayan yatharham upayunjataha nirbandhe krishna sambandhe nirbandhaha krishna sambandhe yuktam vairagya mucchyate Prapanchikataya buddhya harisambandhi vastunaha mumukshubhi parityago vairagyam phalgukathyate. When one is not attached to anything but at the same time accepts everything in relation to Krishna, one is rightly situated above possessiveness. Possessiveness is nirmama, nirma, um, sorry, possessiveness is aham mamata, mamata, mine, I and mine. Nirmama means without possessiveness and nirahankaraha without false ego <clears throat> on the other hand one who rejects everything this is called a so-called renouncer who renounces everything like if the if the wallet is just left on the street if i don't pick it up i may be getting the um, accolades from people oh you're a gentleman wow you did not you did not steal it i may have that so-called cheap adoration from the public but I am not uh, by leaving it on the street I'm just leaving it for another thief to take it and use it in his own sense gratification I'm just facilitating that thief to uh, do use it for his own sense gratification although I'm not doing it I'm just facilitating another one but if it is picked up and given to the owner then I'm doing the complete good to society to to that owner to everybody the person who receives that wallet, uh, he will that, that rightfully, of course, belongs to him. And you're also saving a possible thief who would actually steal it. And of course, you're saving yourself by not um, committing the sin of stealing it or facilitating another person to steal. So in every way, in every angle, the devotee, whatever he does, is the best good that can be done to the entire society at large, including himself, including everyone. That's why the only thing we really need to do is devotional service and preach Krishna consciousness. That does complete good for everyone. Right, I hope that answers the question. <clears throat> so we'll go to the next question. Second question from Vanajakshi Mataji. We'll post the question here. Prabhuji, could you kindly quote the verses from our scriptures for the following? Kshama Yachana Paschatap Samarpana While drinking water What is Kshama Yachana? Let me search. Kshama Kshama means okay, understood, but Yachana 
I don't seem to find a word yachana in the whole of Veda base. I've never come across this word. Tolerance, you mean? Maybe you can put a comment there. I can understand what is Kshama. Let's try to address the other ones. Paschatap. Paschatap means um, atonement. Right? Like begging, asking, asking for forgiveness. Is that is that what it means? <clears throat> well, paschatap. I think I'm so bad at. Um, okay, let's try. I think paschatap means that, right? Atonement. If you're there. Uh, Vanajakshi Mataji, can you kindly uh, leave in a comment? I hope you're there. Forgiveness. Okay, for forgiveness. First one is for forgiveness. Number two, uh, English is easy for me, honestly. Sometimes Hindi words um, and what exactly they mean, it's, it's easier for me in English. And maybe Sanskrit word will be. Samarpan is quite easy to understand, and while drinking water is easy to understand. Kshama, forgiveness. Okay. Kindly also will give, leave a comment for the number two, Paschatap, exactly the English word. Kshama, <coughs> forgiveness, how to forgive. Now, forgiveness comes from two is repeating. Repeating, Paschatap means repeat, repeating. Okay. Um, okay, first let's tackle forgiveness. Forgiveness. There is this verse in the 16th chapter 1 through 3. These are all the Daivi Sampati. Uh, second one is repenting, Paschata. Yeah, repenting. Yeah. I thought that was the meaning. Repenting, atonement. Yeah, okay, let's go. So, uh, first one is forgiveness. So, here, these are the godly qualities. 16th chapter, 1st through 3rd verses are the godly qualities and one of them is forgiveness. Abhayam sattva samshuddhir jnana yoga vyavasthitihi dhanam damascha yajnascha swadhyayas tapa arjavam ahimsa satyam akrodhas tyaga shantirapaishunam dayabhuteshvalo luptvam mardavam hari rachapalam Forgiveness. The Supreme Personality of God has said, Fearlessness, purification of one's existence, cultivation of spiritual knowledge, charity, self-control, performance of charity, study of the Vedas, austerity, simplicity, non-violence, truthfulness, freedom from anger, renunciation, tranquility, aversion to fault-finding, Compassion for all living entities, freedom from covetousness, gentleness, modesty, steady determination, vigor, forgiveness, fortitude, cleanliness, and freedom from envy and from the passion for honor. These transcendental qualities, O son of Bharata, belong to godly men endowed with divine nature. So these are all Daivi Sampati. Forgiveness is one of them. And forgiveness actually comes from uh, tolerance. Mm. Because to be able to forgive someone, we need to be able to first even tolerate 
them so actually very um, coincidentally there is this nice story of um, prabhupad that uh, our uh, bhakta prithviraj he shared in our uh, whatsapp group in a small whatsapp group that we have he shared a story of shri prabhupad today i will just read out that story it's a very nice story <laughs> how prabhupad was um, i can actually tell it from memory but i'll just read it out so that i don't miss any detail of it okay so this is narrated by vyasaki prabhu one of disciples one of the disciples of prabhupad <clears throat> i'll just read the entire story verb, uh, story verbatim in 1975 prabhupad was flying from kenya to south africa i think um, let me change my view so that i can so that you can also see it uh, i hope this view will be all right okay i think i'll make it circular okay i think you can see that so let me just read this <clears throat> anecdote of the day so this is what he shared with me in 1975 prabhupad was flying from um, kenya to south africa okay let me just one second in 1975 prabhupad was flying from kenya to south africa for the first time and as it happens in as it happens the south african football team that had just played in kenya was also on the plane they had won the match and were in a rowdy mood after the plane took off the stewardess started serving drinks and these guys started getting high and maharaj prabhupad's secretary was sitting next to prabhupad and he got disturbed he thought why should prabhupad be subjected to this he called the stewardess and said this is the non smoking area so please ask them to extinguish their cigarettes looks like at that time the flights cigarettes were allowed i think now most of the flights they're not allowed anyway the stewardess asked the football players to extinguish their cigarettes which they did and then she left but since they were drunk after a few minutes they lit up again this time pushta krishna maharaj got up to get heavy with these guys Shri Prabhupad said, "Where are you going?" Pushta Krishna said, "Well, they are smoking." Shri Prabhupad, in a deep voice, Prabhupad said, "Sit down." Then Shri Prabhupad looked him in the eye and said, "What is the difference between us and them if we cannot tolerate?" Prabhupad could tolerate the cigarette smoke and the rowdiness. He was undisturbed. The pure devotee, the Vaishnava, exemplifies this thoroughly. Was Ahishnuna being more tolerant than the tree? Now. so that is uh an example of how tolerance is unless you are tolerant you cannot really forgive now now an example another good example is in um, in the western world jesus christ so he was being um, you know nailed to the cross and you know nailed you know how painful it is i mean just a mosquito bites us and we immediately you know hit the mosquito dead and he was being nailed 
you know all the way and he was praying to the lord oh lord please forgive them they do not know what they are doing you see this yachana means seeking virendra prabhu is saying okay thank you very much so <clears throat> so seeking forgiveness oh you are asking how to seek forgiveness from the lord or how to forgive others again vanajakshi mataji please clarify in the comments i am just speaking about forgiving others so let me just go on with the topic uh, if your question is about how to seek forgiveness from the lord then we will explain that as well so in order to forgive we have to be tolerant to a state where we actually have to take pity upon them you see we have to take pity upon those people who are misbehaving to come to that stage one must be extremely tolerant so that is a devotee's hmm so you're asking for seeking forgiveness <laughs> not forgiving others okay so anyway we'll, since we have already started with forgiving others so we will okay seeking forgiveness from the lord okay see you have to be clear otherwise i wouldn't know so anyway no no problem so anyway forgiveness is also an important thing which we need to discuss and as and as devotees is an important quality we need to develop as well and for that we need tolerance and that's why chaitanya mahaprabhu taught us trinada pisunichena tarora pisahishnuna we have to be more humble humble than the grass and more tolerant than the tree so you see um then only um amanina manadena kirtaniya sadahari we can always chant hare krishna peacefully to peacefully chant hare krishna it is not that we should be away from problems or run away from problems i will be at a place where nobody is around so that i can peacefully chant hare krishna no because our mind is the problem and wherever however peaceful place you go your dangerous enemy mind is just right beside you therefore no place is peaceful as long as the mind is our enemy we have to make the mind our friend and even in the most trying circumstances gurunaapi vicharlyate even in the worst circumstance we will be peaceful the peace is not to be attained by any external situation or circumstance or place no peace comes when we are we know like you see this um second chapter very nicely explains how to how to get peace second chapter 66th verse nasti buddhira yuktasya nacha yuktasya bhavana nacha bhavayata shantir ashantasya kutah sukham one who is not connected with the supreme in krishna consciousness can have neither transcendental intelligence nor a steady mind without which there is no possibility of peace and how can there be any happiness without peace so first thing is there has to be krishna consciousness with krishna consciousness we will have transcendental intelligence with transcendental intelligence we have we will have a steady mind and with steady mind we will have peace so if the mind is not steady agitated we cannot have peace and the mind will be agitated if we don't have transcendental knowledge and we will not have transcendental knowledge if we are not connected to krishna if we are not in devotional service to krishna so therefore again coming back to the point 
with devotional service we will get all good qualities at the same time we should allow those good qualities otherwise if for example if i am chanting i should develop all the good qualities right but the thing is we are chanting with offenses therefore there is some um, method of how to chant offenselessly therefore there are 10 offenses we chant every day so that we will keep away from them we will at least remember to keep away from them so these things are required and these verses of shikshashtaka are there so to train our mind in addition to because if we don't make that effort we will commit offenses like if we are not tolerant even in the association of vaishnavas see because every one of us we are at our different stages of purification there is sometimes friction some devotee cannot agree with another devotee for some reason or whatever these things happen as long as when we are in the material world these things happen so how to uh, reconcile all these things and move forward forgiveness tolerance so therefore we have to keep these things that's why we chant them every day to remind ourselves these things that we do as we, as i many times said in the strengthening foundation series the things that we do the whole thing about strengthening foundations is the topics are the things that we do every day the songs that we sing the prayers that we chant and the things that we do like bowing down and everything why we went through all those things why are they a part of our ritual why because they are to enforce our uh, inculcate in us um those qualities of tolerance and everything we have to as i say internalize all these things not just parrot like chanting of all these things in the morning okay i have finished mangalarti not like that we have to delve into the meaning and that's why we went through the whole meanings of all those prayers in the strengthening foundation series so if you haven't watched them you please go and watch them because it's very important for all devotees and we should always be careful and guard our mind from falling down and and when we have no peace when the mind is disturbed we will be agitated by lust first for sense lust means desire for sense gratification and the way this world is designed the material world our lust will never be satisfied not just this, the world the way this material world is designed the way lust is because it's not our constitutional position just like you can't make the fish happy on land it's not possible similarly we are in a foreign atmosphere we are our natural tendency is to serve the lord the moment we stop doing that we will never be peaceful the moment we start doing that we will be peaceful even in the hell narayana para sarve nakutashchana bibhyati swargapavargan nargeshu api tulyartha darshina whether hell or heaven or liberation is the same for a devotee because he is completely aloof from the agitations of the mind so to keep the mind focused in krishna is what um, is required and that is done through chanting hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 ram hare ram 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 hare hare and that also we have to do attentively and i think there is a question about that as well we will go through that so anyway this is the thing about forgiving now you are asking this question of seeking forgiveness from the lord what did you say kshama yachana that's a complicated term for me i'm not that big of a <laughs> scholar as you think i am um so anyway seeking forgiveness from the lord <clears throat> well there are many verses lord brahma he he spoke so many verses in the 10th canto you're asking for verses isn't it that that was your question 
let's see again quote verses from our scriptures for the following okay so verses from the scriptures for kshama yachana seeking forgiveness from the lord actually there is um, there are seven verses which we chant every day in the deity worship after the deity worship to um, appeal to the lord to kindly forgive us for any offenses that we have or that we have we might have done intentionally or unintentionally during the worship after the whole thing we have to chant these verses always aparadha shodhan mantras they are not anywhere in the scriptures i as far as i know um i don't know vedic scriptures i'm saying they must be definitely maybe from goswami's literature or maybe they are from they are from some padma purana or somewhere i'm not actually not sure where they are from but they are very nice verses mantraheenam kriyaheenam bhaktiheenam janardana yat poojitam maya deva paripurnam tadastume yaddattam bhakti matrena patram pushpam phalam jalam aveditam nivedyantu tadgrahana anukampaya vidhiheenam mantraheenam yatkinchitu yatkinchitu papaditam कृत्या मंत्रविहीनम वा तत्सर्वं क्षन्तुमर्हसि अज्ञानदथवा अज्ञानाद अशुभं यन्मया कृतं क्षन्तुमर्हसि तत्सर्वं दास्येनैव गृहणमाम स्थितिः सेवा गतिर्यात्रा स्मृतिश्चिन्तस्तुतिर्वचः भूयात् सर्वात्मना विष्णो मदीयं त्वयिचेष्टितम् अपराधसहस्राणि क्रियन्ते हर्निशमया दासोहम्मेति मामत्वा क्षमस्वमधुसूदना प्रतिज्ञतव गोविंद नमे भक्त प्रणश्यति इति संस्मृत्य संस्मृत्य प्राणान संधारायाम्यहम सो दीस आर सेवन वर्सेस आई एम सो सॉरी आई कुडंट गेट देम ऑन द स्क्रीन सो देयर आर वेरी नाइस वर्सेस वी कैन एक्चुअली चांट दिस एवरी डे व्हाट आई विल डू हाउ टू गेट दिस टू यू आई विल I don't want to take too much time on the live stream and keep everybody waiting here. So maybe I will share with you on WhatsApp or we will post a link to this after the session. You know. I will request the moderator to kindly remind me to of this um to post a link to this these mantras that I have just quoted. And um otherwise also in the prayers of um Indra or Brahma or many times um so many times they have committed mistakes and they ask the lord for forgiveness even arjuna himself asks for forgiveness um in the 11th chapter you see Eleven forty-one and forty-two. You see this. Krishna is also. Sakheti matva prasabham yaduktam. He Krishna he yadava he sakheti. Ajanta mahimanam tavedam. Maya pramadat pranayena vapi. Yacha vahasar thamasat krutosi. विहारशयासन भोजनेशु एकोथवाप्यच्युत तत्समक्षम तत्क्षामये त्वाम अहम अप्रमेयम थिंकिंग ऑफ यू एज माय फ्रेंड आई हैव रैशली एड्रेस्ड यू ओ कृष्णा ओ यादवा ओ माय फ्रेंड नॉट नोइंग योर ग्लोरीज प्लीज फॉरगिव व्हाटएवर आई मे हैव डन इन मैडनेस और इन लव 
I have dishonored you many times, jesting as we relaxed, lay on the same bed or sat or ate together, sometimes alone and sometimes in front of many friends. O oh, infallible one, please excuse me for all those offenses. And um, there is another, of course, this, this is a very nice verse from C.C. Chapter 13, text 80. Hmm? Is this the one? No, 22. Um, let's see. <laughs> okay, 22, 16. Yeah, this is another one. Kamadinam katina katidha palita durnideshas Tesham jata mahina karuna Natrapano pashantihi Utsrajyaita natha yadupate Sampratam labdha buddhis Tvamayata sharanam abhayam Mamni yungshvatma dasye O my Lord, there is no limit to the unwanted orders of lusty desires. Although I have rendered these desires so much service, they have not shown any mercy to me. I have not been ashamed to serve them, nor have I even desired to give them up. O my Lord, O head of the Yadu dynasty, recently, however, my intelligence has been awakened and now I am giving them up. Due to transcendental intelligence, I now refuse to obey the orders, unwanted orders of these desires and I now come to you to surrender myself at your fearless lotus feet. Kindly engage me in your personal service and save me. Well, this may not sound like a um, verse that seeking forgiveness from the Lord, but actually it is. It's saying that I have wasted so much time without serving you. I have served these wicked masters, Kama Dinam, beginning with Kama, Kama Krodha, Moha Loba, Madhavatsarya, all these unwanted desires of these uh, you know, vicious masters I have served. And I have given up, given the service of you. Who are the, who are, who's my real master? Recently my intelligence has been awakened and I am now coming to you. Please um, um, kindly engage me in your personal service and save me. So, so, you know, that is again another verse asking for forgiveness from the Lord. And um, there are many verses actually. Um, even Brahma asked for forgiveness, Indra asked for forgiveness. After that Govardhan Leela, Indra became, you know, actually so many. I mean, uh, offhand, I just am unable to remember the exact numbers, but I know kind of where they are 6th Kanto, 10th Kanto, and um, um, even. <laughs> okay, you know what? You can just go to this app and say, Forgive me. You can actually get a huge number of verses. Forgive me. Let's try this. Um, yeah, actually, I remember one verse. Brahma said, Forgive me, not even one. Wow. <laughs> okay. Everywhere there are, actually, if you really search for it. But there is one verse. Yeah, repentant heart. Sheetal Mataji is uh, quoting one verse for repentance. Yeah, we will come to repentance. Uh, I want to show this one verse from Brahma. He says, the meaning of that verse is, In the womb of the mother, 
the child kicks kicks the the outer walls of the embryo and then the mother will feel the kicking of the child but the mother does not take any offense so after brahma tried the Vim, brahma vimohan leela you know that uh, where he tried to hide all the cowherd boys and calves and cows away from krishna and then came back to see and krishna was just the same way as before then of course he krishna showed that all of these his friends everybody were actually his own expansions and then brahma was totally bewildered and he fell down at the feet of krishna and offered so many prayers and that in that one of the prayers was this that he is asking for forgiveness from the lord um what i have done just now was a great offense but please um who else i have for shelter you are like the mother who um i am like the child inside um trying to kick you but um you are like my mother so please kindly bear with my offenses and kindly forgive me there is a very nice verse like that in the 10th canto if i it's a beautiful verse uh let's try to see 10th canto 14th chapter index Just trying to skim. If if you anybody any one of you can find that, kindly um, kindly share in the comments. Ah uh, well, I I don't know if this is here actually. Ten fourteen twelve. Wow. Okay. Thank you very much. I missed that. Ten fourteen twelve. Oh Lord, Adhoksha Judge, does a mother take offense when the child within her womb kicks with his legs? and is there anything in existence whether designated by various philosophers as real or as unreal that is actually outside your abdomen so <laughs> thank you radhika sakhi mata ji was for that reference utkshepanam garb utkshepanam garbhagatasya padayo kim kalpate matur adhoksha jagase kimasti nasti vyapadesh bhushitam tavasti kukshehe kiyadapyanantaha actually this is these verses from by lord brahma is a stuti by themselves we have to actually learn all these verses very nice verses this is one of the series of verses that need to be learned by devotees i myself do not know in fact i have uh, so many things to learn <laughs> so you see how nice this is lord brahma you see shri prabhupad comments as follows on this verse in krishna the supreme personality of godhead volume 1 chapter 
Lord Brahma therefore compared himself to a little child within the womb of his mother. If the child within the womb plays with his hands and legs and while playing touches the body of the mother, is the mother offended with this child? Of course she isn't. Similarly, Lord Brahma may be a very great personality and yet not only Brahma but every, everything that exists is within the womb of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord's energy is all-pervading. There is no place in the creation where it is not acting. Everything is existing within the energy of the Lord. So the Brahma of this universe or the Brahmas or of the many other millions and trillions of universes are existing within the energy of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord is considered to be the mother and everything existing within the womb of the mother is considered to be the child. And the good mother is never offended by, with the child even if he touches the body of the mother by kicking his legs. So like this, there are many, many. But we have no time to go through all and neither do I um, have a memory of, at this. If you just ask me like, like that, um, of all the verses, I can think of some, but again, I have to search through this. So you just do the homework. Um, Indra, Indra also asks for forgiveness and um, many, many have asked for forgiveness actually. <laughs> Maybe I think Bhishma Dev also asked for forgiveness um, in his Tuti. Bhishma Tuti, first canto, ninth chapter, he also asked for forgiveness. Um, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you will find a lot of examples, lot of examples, everywhere. Anyway, that's that. Next, go to the repentance. And Sheetal Mataji already has shared a nice verse about repentance. Three thirty-one thirteen. That's what I actually want to see. That you all quote the verses. Because every time if I only quote, that means you're not <laughs> learning. If you quote, that actually gives me more pleasure. Yastvadra Yastvatrabadha Ivakarma Bhiravritatma Bhutendriyashayamayim Avalambyamayam Aste Vishuddham Avikara Makanda Bodham Matapyamana Hridaye Vasitam Namami. I, the pure soul, appearing now bound by my activities, am lying in the womb of my mother by the arrangement of Maya. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him who is also here with me, but who is unaffected and changeless. He is unlimited, but he is perceived in the repentant heart. To him, I offer my respectful obeisances. And actually, by the way, even this chapter has so many verses asking for, seeking forgiveness from the Lord for all the offenses that he has done and all these uh, previous lives that he remembers well he, when he is in the womb of his mother. So this verse, this chapter also has a lot of such verses. And um, repentance. What what else about repentance? Seeking forgiveness and repentance comes comes actually very close because you can't seek for forgiveness unless you repent for your fault, acknowledge the fault, repent for it. And ask for forgiveness and the next thing is the determination not to commit again the same mistake. Maybe out of habit, maybe out of um, you know uh, circumstances one may again accidentally commit the same mistake, again one repents. So one has to seriously repent. Sincere. Sincerity is the whole game here. Um, sincere. If we are sincere and trying to reduce our faults, our mistakes in the service of the Lord, that sincerity of purpose is what the Lord actually sees. So anyway, for me, as I understand, I mean, repentance and seeking forgiveness comes very close. Anyway, the best way to allay all our offenses is to chant the holy name, Hare Krishna Mahamantra. 
we have to chant more not that okay i will commit something an offense and then i will chant more to just counteract it and make it a habit of offending and counteracting offense if you if you if we try to make use of the holy name like that that's a very big offense against the holy name one of the biggest offenses against the holy name but without our intention somehow or other it has happened and we now repent what we have done uh, yes we have to chant the holy name but one thing one thing even the holy name cannot save us from is vaishnava aparad if we offend vaishnavas then um, even holy name chanting holy name will not help we have to go to that vaishnava and seek forgiveness from that vaishnava that alone will actually save the person from offense just like um, durvasa muni he went to lord vishnu whether you see lord vishnu or whether you chant his holy name is the same thing right so he went to see lord vishnu lord vishnu said i cannot help you you go back and um, seek forgiveness from ambarish maharaj when he did that durvasa muni then yes he was relieved from the sudarshan chakra so even if we go to vishnu or krishna by chanting his name hoping to get relieved of the vaishnava aparad krishna will not want to do it we have to seek forgiveness from the vaishnava himself so um in fact it proper said even at one point a vaishnava may easily forgive you but krishna will not forgive krishna will not forgive the offense done to a vaishnava vaishnava may forgive easily so how now uh, what to do then <laughs> well the only thing is that we have to sincerely repent and seek the forgiveness of the vaishnava vaishnavas will easily forgive it's not very difficult for them to forgive and uh, pray to the lord to give strength not to commit offense again and that's repenting and that's the best way actually uh let's take out one verse um 6 6 3 other forms of repentance like in in vedas there are other forms of repentance where you do this sacrifice this thing this thing to you know allay the offenses of uh, offenses that we may may have committed but those are not very effective because they just cut the grass but they don't burn the grass uproot and burn the um the grass of offenses when you cut the grass it will again grow up at the slightest opportunity i think let's go to that first and then come back here 6217 i think uh let's see if this is the one yeah you see taistanya ghani puyante tapo dana vrata dibhi na dharmajam tadridhayam tad api shangri sevaya although one may neutralize the reactions of sinful life through austerity charity vows and other such methods these pious activities cannot uproot the material desires in one's heart however if one serves the lotus feet of the personality of godhead he is immediately freed from all such contaminations and that is explained in this verse 6331 of shrimad bhagavatam tasmat sankirtanam vishnu जगन मंगलमम हसाम महतामपि कौरव्य विध्यैकांतिक निष्कृतम शुदेव गोस्वामी कंटिन्यूड माय डियर किंग द चैंटिंग ऑफ द होली नेम ऑफ द लॉर्ड इज एबल टू अप्रूव इवन द रिएक्शंस ऑफ द ग्रेटेस्ट सिंस देयरफॉर द चैंटिंग ऑफ द संकीर्तन मूवमेंट इज द मोस्ट ऑस्पिशियस एक्टिविटी इन द एंटायर यूनिवर्स प्लीज ट्राई टू अंडरस्टैंड दिस सो दैट अदर्स विल टेक इट सीरियसली सो चैंटिंग इज वेरी वेरी पावरफुल एंड ऑफ कोर्स डिवोशनल सर्विस एनी डिवोशनल सर्विस
trying to see here in the Vishnu Puran also it is said let's take this one if yeah in the sorry Padma Puran Aprarabdha phalam papam kutam bijam phalonmukam phalonmukam kramenaiva praliyeta Vishnu bhaktiratatmanam there are different stages of dormant reactions to sinful activities to be observed in sinful life Sinful reactions may be just waiting to take effect, Phalon Mukha. Reactions may be still further dormant, Kuta, or the reactions may be in a seed-like state, Bija. In any case, all types of sinful reactions are vanquished one after another if a person engages in the devotional service of Lord Vishnu. So this is the proper atonement. And in fact, I want to just say, I forgot this now. Um, the songs of Vaishnava Acharyas like Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Narutam Das Thakur, there are so many songs um, asking for forgiveness from the Lord um, and uh, even... Uh, repentance even the next one samarpana you know the um, devotion devoting oneself to the lord samarpan atma samarpan and uh, what is the last one while drinking water you want verses to chant while drinking water well <laughs> remember krishna that he is the taste of water and uh, drink like that. Of course, we have to offer, even the water we drink, we offer it to Krishna and then drink. So, yeah, this, this is the way. Rasoham Apsukanteya, Krishna says, I am the taste of water in the 7th chapter, 8th verse of Bhagavad Gita. Um, like that, one can remember that the taste of water is Krishna. And then, Samarpan, um, there are again innumerable verses. Kunti Devi's prayer. Actually, all the stutis, Kunti Stuti, Bhishma Stuti, all the stutis, Prahlad, everybody, everybody is talking about Samarpan. Bhagavatam is full of these verses. I mean, everywhere. I don't have time to really, uh, this is too short of a time to <laughs> see everything. Our whole lives are not enough to even study all this. So, anyway, there are such verses everywhere. Um, let's take out one verse as a um, token verse from the Stotra Ratna by Yamanacharya you see this Madhya Madhilila Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhilila 1.206 Bhavantamevanu charan nirantaraha Prashanta nishesha manorathantaraha Kadahamai kantika nitya kinkaraha Praharsha yishyami sanatha jivitam By serving you constantly, one is freed from all material desires and is completely pacified. When shall I engage as your permanent, eternal servant and always feel joyful to have such a fitting master? I want to just be your servant, that's it. I want to just... Offer myself completely to you, complete Atma Samarpan. So, in the Bhaktivinoda Thakur songs, there are so many songs on the Atma Samarpan. Same with Narutam Das Thakur songs. And so, with all the stutis of different devotees in Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita, everywhere, it's just all pervading. These verses are all pervading in our books. Alright, I think uh, we'll move on to the next question. I think again by Vanajakshi Mataji. <clears throat> okay, this is good.
there is a question so he is asking again by vanajakshi mataji Prabhuji, many famous gurus worship the demigods and teach the same to their followers. Are they not aware of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is Krishna? So many places in Gita, Krishna uses first person singular pronoun. They do quote many verses from the Gita in their preaching. Why don't they awaken themselves and lead the followers to the right path? <laughs> Very good question. This is the foolishness of the Mayavadis and the demigod worshippers. They see everything, they hear everything what Krishna is saying. Krishna is saying that Matta Parataram Nanyat Kinchidasti Dhananja I am, there is nobody equal to or superior to me. So many places, everywhere, as you said, Krishna is directly talking uh, in first person pronoun. Surrender to me, Maamekam Sharanam Vraja. Still they don't understand. Why? Because their intention is never to surrender to Krishna. As you know, the secret of Bhagavad Gita is not in the language. Because, as you can see, the simple definition, if you say, if you look at it from a language perspective, it's very straightforward. Very straightforward. Very, I mean, simple elementary Sanskrit, mostly. And the verses also, you see, all very short, eight syllables each line. Not even those complicated big, big verses. So it is meant, this Mahabharata, whole of Mahabharata is meant for less intelligent people. Um, so that even less intelligent people, they can easily understand these profound truths. So Krishna is speaking in very simple language, actually. Then why these people cannot understand? Because Bhaktosime Sakhasheti Rahasyam Hetaduttamam. The secret in understanding Bhagavad Gita is not the language. If my intent, suppose, I may tell you something. Suppose, just take this example. Or I, I will not make, make you the bad guy. I will, I will be the bad guy, alright? So, <laughs> you tell me something. And if I convey what you have told me to another person, If I have good intentions for you, I will convey your intention and what you said without changing anything. Or even if you said something which is uh, what um, damaging, I will try to see that you are not damaged or your reputation is not damaged or something. I will tell in a way which is, you know, um, that person can understand. Your intention was good, but maybe your language was harsh, but I just conveyed in a way which he can understand. Okay. The thing is, I have good intention for you. But suppose now, I have bad intentions for you. I don't like you. And then you say something. And I will misconstrue it and tell it in a way which is... I mean, you are, what you said is very clear, but I want to make something, some drama out of it. And I want to paint a bad picture of you. And that's it. Then I'll misrepresent you. So, that's what is happening here. I mean, I mean, I said it in a very crude way, but that's exactly what is happening here. These people, those who are not devotees, they may be Sanskrit scholars, whatever they are, because they are not devotees, they don't miss, I mean, they don't represent Krishna. Whatever Krishna says, they try to misconstrue and suit their own stupid philosophy 
rather than presenting Krishna's philosophy as it is. That's why what Prabhupada's contribution is, it is that he has presented Srila Prabhupada's books as they are. Sorry, he, he presented Krishna's books as they are. Bhagavad Gita as it is. That's why he titled it that way. Because he is the true representative of Krishna. When I am a misrepresenting, when I am misrepresenting Krishna, then of course, whatever Krishna says, I will just say something else. Because my agenda is not to promote Krishna's agenda. My agenda is something separate from Krishna's agenda. Something apart from him. So this is called uh, Prithak Bhava. The separatist mentality. So this Prithak Bhava is very prominent in materialists. And even though one may take to Bhagavad Gita, and you see how um, rascals they are. They have their own philosophy. They don't agree with what Krishna is saying. But they will use Bhagavad Gita. As you said, they even quote many verses from Bhagavad Gita. Yes, they do that. Why? Because everybody knows Bhagavad Gita is a, very, is a, is a book that is revered by everyone. So they are riding on the popularity of Bhagavad Gita and at the same time misrepresenting it and misguiding so many people who are naively, I mean, coming to this um, to this whole spiritual realm. Because they also have respect for Bhagavad Gita. So they use this, they take advantage of the popularity of Bhagavad Gita, but then they completely obscure Krishna from the message. One of the rascal gurus that is now there and presently, one of the big Mayavadi gurus is, I honestly tell you, this um, Sadguru of Isha Yoga. He is doing this also. Somebody asked him this question in a, in a, in a public interview, recorded. I saw that video on the YouTube. I mean, every time he is speaking everything atheistic. And he was asked this question. No, no, he actually he himself put this question to the audience. That, I, I already mentioned this once, once or twice in the live streams. His question to the audience was, Why do we worship Lord Ram? Why, why do we worship Ram? The audience was silent. Of course, they are expecting him to answer that question. So, he made them ponder, ponder on it. Then he said, you see, is there anything... Um, was, was Ram successful, so-called? He was banished. He was going to become the you know, crown prince, but then he was banished. His wife was kidnapped. He was crying all along after that. And then he won her back. But then again, due to some controversy, again the wife had to be sent. He sent his wife away to the forest. And then when the wife actually, and that too when she was pregnant. And then he fought with his own sons, Love and Kush. And when the mother came back, when he wanted to accept her, she went away. Is this the definition of success? The audience said, no. Then why do we worship him? You see how he is painting the whole thing. And he said, we worship him because of his quality. Despite all the challenges that he had, he was very calm and he was you know, composed and he did his duty. And that quality is what we worship. It's not the person whom we worship. It's the quality that we have to value and we have to internalize in our life. It doesn't matter whether it is Ram, Krishna or somebody else or whatever. It is the quality that we have to take. It is the message, not the messenger that is important. He was saying like this. You see? 
he said this it is the message that is important not the messenger so actually i have a plan to completely deconstruct this person in youtube videos because it's high time because so much nonsense is being propagated not only this person there are other people like this who are just completely doing whatever they want in the name of spirituality and people are following them by the thousands in fact some of my relatives i heard are also following this person now and he's speaking out of rubbish okay on the side he's washing some rivers i mean cleaning some rivers that's okay we're not discrediting that he can clean he can he can keep on cleaning the rivers he is good for that but not for speaking on bhagavad gita or any or any spiritual terms that's not his forte but he thinks that is his forte and people also look up to him for some words of wisdom but all he talks is rubbish honestly i mean i'm just not talking talking out of hatred this is just that i mean blatant truth so yeah um, honestly i have plans to make videos in educating the public not to be fooled by these propagandas so that's another way another thing anyway but this is the thing that they misrepresent because they they don't have any goodwill for krishna they don't have any favorable disposition towards krishna bhakto se me sakha cheti you see here rahasyam hetu tamam that very ancient science of the relationship with the supreme is today told by me to you because you are my devotee as well as my friend and can therefore understand the transcendental mystery of the science why he said it is mystery when he was talking elementary sanskrit and in short words and mind you this bharatam mahabharatam is let's take out the exact verse i mean this is meant for the less intelligent classes of people 1420 the upanishads the the vedas the vedanta sutra that is yes meant for highly elevated brahmanas it requires a lot of intelligence to understand but mahabharat is something which you see here स्त्री शूद्रद्विजबंधूनाम त्रयीन श्रुतिगोचरा कर्म श्रेयसी मूढ़ा श्रेय एवं भवेदिहाख्यानम कृपया मुनिनाकृत आउट ऑफ कंपैशन द ग्रेट सेज मीनिंग व्यासदेव थॉट इट वाइज दट दिस वुड एनेबल मैन टू अचीव द अल्टिमेट गोल ऑफ लाइफ दज ही कंपाइल द ग्रेट हिस्टोरिकल नरेशन कॉल द महाभारत फॉर द वेमेन लेबरर्स एंड फ्रेंड्स ऑफ द ट्वाइस बॉन् दीज आर नॉट क्वालिफाइड ब्राह्मणस either they are brahmin born family i mean born in a brahmin family but not having the qualities of brahmanas which in which is brahma bandhu and dvija bandhu you see the word dvija bandhu they are not dvijas dvija bandhus and women and shudras so they are not considered very highly intelligent but to make this knowledge even available to such people he spoke in very sim- simple terms but why he said रहस्यम एतदुत्तमं भक्तोसमे सखाचेति यू आर एबल टू अंडरस्टैंड व्हाई बिकॉज़ यू आर अ डिवोटी भक्तोसमे सखाचेति यू आर माय फ्रेंड यू विल रिप्रेजेंट मी करेक्टली यू हैव गुड इंटेंशंस फॉर मी दैट्स व्हाई वेरएज दीस पीपल ऑल्दो दे वे सीमिंगली टॉक अबाउट भगवत गीता दे डोंट हैव एनी गुड इंटेंशंस Bhagavad Gita is popular so they don't they want to become popular so they ride on the popularity wave of the Bhagavad Gita and gain their popularity in speaking their own nonsense hmm. so anyway coming back to that answer of ram so my my question is he said it is the message that is important not the messenger so my question is 
what if the message is to surrender to the messenger like here <laughs> bhagavad gita chapter 18 text 66 what is the verse famous verse sarva dharman parityajyam mamekam sharanam vraja aham tvam sarva papebhyo moksha ishyami masuchah abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me now this is the messenger krishna is the of course he is krishna himself and he is also the messenger in this case because he is speaking the message so he said message is important not the messenger but what if the message is to surrender to the messenger as in this case now you cannot ignore the messenger and therefore the message and the messenger are they cannot be separated to see them as separate is dvaita real advaita means there is no difference between the message and the messenger and the message is um in i mean what is that um undoubtedly attached to the messenger and especially here is asking us to surrender unto him how can we ignore so therefore he is flawed at many places in his explanation and all these things that are so so called unfortunate events that happen in ram's life ramchandra bhagwan's life so they are not simply you know some uh, uh, accidental fate you know whatever he himself uh, engineered all those incidences so that he is teaching us how to remain tolerant how to do our duty despite all reversals he is teaching us at the same time he is also teaching us what is the pain of um, associating too much with too being too attached to one's wife and family like he was very attached to his wife sita and when she was gone he was completely gone he lost himself of course confidentially that is actually his ecstasy that is his vipralambha bhava service in sep- or, or love in separation that is another ecstatic symptom that is totally different what sita and ram were experiencing when they were separate was an ecstasy that is unimaginable un- inex- inexplicable in ordinary terms it is even greater ecstasy than when they were together hmm. as radharani said in the i think you know in the cc in the antelila i think 20 or 57 if i am not wrong i don't know you um not this she said that when krishna actually no another somewhere else anyway I, i'm not going to search for that i'll waste more of your time so anyway radharani said that when um i am with krishna i see krishna only in front of me when um when he is away from me then i see him everywhere the whole universe is filled with krishna for me so that therefore separation from him actually is better for me than meeting him radharani said this herself so this ecstasy of separation is the highest ecstasy um in love of godhead so chaitanya mahaprabhu taught us that and that is what ram and sita were experiencing when they were apart um so internally he was experiencing he was enjoying that ecstasy and um uh, externally he is teaching us valuable lessons ravindran subramanyam is saying the story of sita is a tragic comedy no it's not a comedy it's not a laughing matter at all there's so many heavy lessons to be learned from ramayan so many lessons is him 
all right so that is about um, that question why um, they cannot understand bhagavad gita even though they may give explanations on it that's why last one before we exit from this question we should not hear from this people although they may speak about krishna they are not speaking out of devotion they having their own agenda and that will never help the speaker and the listener both avaishnava mukhod um let's see here yeah you see hari bhakti vilas sanatan goswami is saying avaishnava mukhodgirnam putam harikathamritam shravanam naiva kartavyam sarpochishtam yathapayah one should not hear anything about krishna from a non vaishnava milk touched by the lips of a serpent has poisonous effects similarly talks about krishna given by non vaishnava are also poisonous if you want to drink poison you are more than welcome to listen to them but if you want to save yourself from the poison uh, if you want to have the nectar of immortality go back to krishna and then you have to listen from vaishnavas all right go to the next question this is from who oh this is from uh, bhakta thomas he is from bhakta thomas who is um, he actually sent me this question privately because he doesn't have a facebook account um he sent me on whatsapp so well this is a very long question let's try to put it on screen I don't know if you can see that it's very small but um, hopefully you can see that now So I'll just read this <clears throat> This is from New Zealand he is a very nice devotee who has joined us um so he's asking this question The Brahmins took responsibility for dethroning King Vena and enthroning more suitable leadership because Vena became inimical to Vedic culture as well as society in general At the present moment there are many misleaders who have created a devastating situation for the world in general as seen by the current crisis. The Brahmins who dethroned King Vena were also fearful of sharing in his bad karma because they had put him in power in the first place. While we understand that the Sankirtan Yagna is a real transformational force for change in the world, to what extent should devotees involve themselves in voting etc at this point in time? to try and bring in a more favorable political situation if that opportunity exists in their country although krishna consciousness will continue in all situations and although we can have our farms and try to be self sufficient it seems like we will still be affected by these misleaders in some way the ussr eventually crumbled just by expanding the sankirtan yagna so it is is it just is it best to focus sorry is it best to just focus on that or should we also do like the brahmins did with vena and try to encourage a more favorable situation where that facility is available while simultaneously pushing forward with harinam sankirtan 
good question very good question indeed because practically speaking um how good is voting for um government any government or any party like that honestly the sankirtan movement is the only thing that will of course change anything um suppose i give you an, a, a, a scenario there are two parties one party will allow the devotees to perform chanting and dancing on the streets or book distribution or something like that and another party is more um, against or more atheistic or something like that then it's of course um you know it's not that we depend on it you know of course we can do our sankirtan you know we are preaching and everything but still the facility of the government definitely uh, allows the devotees to do it more elaborately for example in china now we are in china we have ias came in china and they having honestly all that we are doing in china is illegal because they don't we can't even register as a religious society in china so we just have to meet friends and tell them about krishna and then chant secretly so definitely it is not a favorable situation for the for the devotees and sometimes even a risky situation for the devotees so it's not easy to preach in those countries if the government is cooperative definitely the service can be expanded in in more uh, elaborate ways and more more people can be reached therefore the varnashram system is in such a way that brahmanas they um teach vedic knowledge and then the kshatriyas they have to support the brahmanas so the government have to support the work of the brahmanas because they actually bring in the real peace in the world by their means and to get peace in the world is not the real aim of brahmanas to educate everybody in the kingdom of i mean in the, in the krishna consciousness and when you become krishna conscious automatically peace is just one of the many 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 by products of krishna consciousness so world peace that we, you know un and all these things all useless absolutely rubbish nothing will work but the real thing that will actually work is krishna consciousness so to put the krishna consciousness on the map of course the, all the classes of society if they cooperate it will be much more faster and much more effective but if there is no cooperation the service is definitely you know um affected of course in the with the force of um, the service like with the force of krishna consciousness shila prabhupad went to the heart of materialism without any support from the government nothing he he started this whole sankirtan movement especially in kaliyuga we cannot expect any support from the government in any part of the world day by day that support will reduce and reduce and reduce because the people will become atheistic the leaders will become atheistic hmm. so we can't really hope for such a nice situation where everybody in fact never was there was always there were always such anti anti elements even when uh, vishwamitra muni went to uh, dasharath and he asked to take ram and lakshman with him so that they can fight this uh, taraka this rakshasi and other rakshasas who were disturbing the yagyas of the sages and so brahmins 
sought help from the Kshatriyas to do these things. Of course, Brahmins could do by uttering a curse, they could actually kill. But the Kshatriyas have to actually support or help the Brahmanas do all these uh, spiritual activities. So it is definitely um, a good thing if the, if the government can support these things. So if there is a chance that a government um, is supportive of these um, Krishna conscious activities, there is no harm in voting. Uh, sometimes in some countries, is, I mean, there are repercussions if you don't vote. So those things are also there. Um, otherwise, you can just stay without voting for anyone. You just continue with Krishna consciousness. If someone can serve Krishna consciousness, some government can serve, that's good for them. And uh, it's not that we are depending, but if they can do it, that's good for them and good for many people. Um, so in that way, it can be used in Krishna service. That's what I feel. I mean, it's my opinion. But honestly, we don't have much faith. What is our one vote going to do? How much difference is, going, is it going to make? If there are many devotees, if the majority of the population is devotees, and then everybody votes for a Krishna conscious leader, that's, yes, something. But otherwise, the majority of the population is just, you know, um, what they're doing. They're not devotees. And then, what is our one vote? How much difference is it going to really make? So, in the case of Vena though, a small council of Brahmanas, they chose the next leader. They chose to dethrone Vena and kill him. So, that was actually kind of a democracy. But it was a, a qualified democracy. Qualified democracy is actually what is the real Vedic system. Of course, there is, um, uh, what is that called? Um, autocracy. The... Um, King, I mean, what is it? Monarchy, monarchy. But um, in the in times like this, in the king, in the case of King Vena, they chose to give up that thing, uh, give up uh, obedience to the king or you know cooperation with the king because he was not cooperating. So they killed him and put in his, I mean, brought a son from his dead body. They churned his body and you know, of course, by the power they could do so many things, but. They then brought brought forth Prithu Maharaj, and then he ruled. He ruled over. So they chose the next ruler, but that was qualified democracy. Well, not not everybody chose. Not the whole public uh, elected for the next leader. Only these handful of brahmanas. Not handful. I don't know how many were there. These brahmana brahmanas they chose the next king because the brahmanas know what is good for everyone. Real brahmanas, qualified brahmanas. We are not talking about the filthy minded, uh, caste-conscious Brahmanas. They are useless for all practical purposes. Uh, no use. We're talking about qualified Brahmanas. They know what is beneficial for everyone. So, they used to choose. So, that had meaning. But in today's context, you're choosing either, you know, one ruler or the other, but nobody will support that much. This Krishna-conscious movement, it's, uh, you know, of course, maybe one is more favorable than the other. But then again, one vote, how much difference is going to make? So rather we just continue with our devotional practices. If you really want to vote, vote for someone you know who can be favorable to the Krishna conscious movement. That's all. But we don't expect much help from that. Real help will come from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, Srila Prabhupada, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Krishna, and of course Narsimhadev. <laughs> we, we need a lot of protection from Narsimhadev. All right. So that is that. <clears throat> Next question by Devaki Mataji. Actually, she, she wrote me a private message. She, she said, 
these uh, she asked three questions here it is uh, one of her uh, nephews who's asking this question who's a, who's a small boy but who's interested to know these things this is what i heard one second let me just make this bigger mm okay here why isn't lakshman an avatar but balaram is in spite that both are Adi- both are adhisesham no actually both are incarnations why who said lakshman is not an incarnation this is actually a small boy is asking this question so she is actually asking on behalf of the boy why isn't lakshman an avatar he is an avatar who said he is not he is ram lakshman bharat and shatrughna all are avatars and balaram he is also he is actually an expansion of krishna himself hmm. so all of them are an avatar maybe you are asking uh, in the dashavatar maybe well in dashavatar many incarnations are not mentioned so if that is the reason why you are asking the question then as we have seen i think the previous class unlimited incarnations of godhead so dasha is 10 is just very few of them that are mentioned that's all so lakshman anyway is avatar is expansion of sankarshan so yeah there is no difference between lakshman and balaram in the case of lakshman he serves lord ram in the case of balaram he also serves lord krishna as you know lakshman always served his brother as a as a younger brother but in krishna's past times balaram serves him as an elder brother because an elder brother also will have caring feelings and you know protecting the interests of the younger brother and if somebody attacks the younger brother he will fight for his younger brother you know that kind of protective feeling in that way he used to serve krishna in fact we have read that uh, nice verse i think um uh, devaki mataji is asking prabhu he means it the 10 avatars yeah so we have in the previous session we have gone elaborately i think not previous the the one before that or the one before yeah two sessions back in chetan charitamrita class we have discussed this um topic of incarnations the whole topic i think two parts we did 3 hours and 3 hours 6 hours on incarnations alone avatars of krishna that's it that's the whole topic for 6 hours we spoke i think 6 and a half hours or even 7 hours 7 hours so in the so devaki mataji is clarifying yeah so she is saying in the dashavatar balram is the eighth avatar but why isn't lakshman also in the dashavatar well then we can ask why is uh, dattatreya not in the dashavatar why is um, hamsa avatar not in the dashavatar? or hayagriva is not in the dashavatar so many avatars are not mentioned in the dashavatar why is vyasadeva not mentioned in the dashavatar uh, so many so we can't uh, actually count the number of avatars millions and trillions no in- innumerable avatars are there but um these are just eight i mean i mean even when krishna was there balram was there um vyasadeva also was there uh, naranarayan rishi was there and parashuram was there parashuram of course is mentioned in the dashavatar so in this way there are so many manifestation you know innumerable so 10 dasha means 10 so how can the incarnations of lord be only 10 no if you see the shrimad bhagavatam first canto third chapter already there are 24 avatars i think mentioned in that chapter alone 24 what about the rest 
well, let's see you know let's see this one three twenty okay one three index we'll go to the index you see first of all mahavishnu he's also an avatar and um, the kumaras are shaktyavesh avatar the chatur kumaras and then varaha is there narada is one of the avatars shaktyavesh avatar again naranarayan fourth incarnation fifth incarnation is kapilamuni where is kapilamuni in the shavatar not there sixth datatreya seventh yagna we don't even know i don't I, I, i don't even know much about yagna incarnation actually then the eighth incarnation was rishabha rishabdev you see ninth incarnation is uh, king prithu who's a partial incarnation shaktyavesh again matsya avatar then 10th uh, 10th avatar is matsya avatar which is the first avatar in the dasha avatar you see it's not that matsya was the first time lord ever came into this world no in the 11th he kurma 12th dhanvantri dhanvantri is also not there in the dasha avatar and then in the 14th incarnation narsimha 15th vamana these are all there in the dasha avatar 16th bhrugupati or parshuram then 17th vyasadev 18th ramachandra 19th and 20th balram in fact bharat and shatrughna also are avatars pradyumna sankarshan aniruddha sorry vasudev sankarshan pradyumna aniruddha these chaturvyuha have come down as ram lakshman bharat and shatrughna so all of them are avatars but all of them are not mentioned again in kaliyuga buddha then kalki so in this way so many incarnations are in fact this is also not all manvantara avatars we have discussed all these six hours we have discussed six, six to seven hours everything about incarnations so it's not possible to list everybody in 10 that's why he is not listed <laughs> otherwise they are both avatars next question is pradyumna elder to abhimanyu so I, i will not maybe i'll just put it wait one second so the next question is that's very small there i can't make it bigger than this so is pradyumna elder to abhimanyu that's the next question so i presume your meaning abhimanyu means uh, the son of arjuna so as far as i understand pradyumna is definitely elder than abhimanyu Hmm? because uh, pradyumna is uh, krishna's son krishna's first son of rukmini is pradyumna and later on only subhadra um married uh, arjuna and then they had abhimanyu so he was only 16 years when krishna was already 89 years on the battlefield of kurukshetra abhimanyu was only 16 years and arjuna was also uh 89 years on the same the same age as krishna arjuna was of the same age as krishna and abhimanyu was 16 years so you see when he actually married um subhadra so anyway the timeline is is very hard to understand because <laughs> subhadra 
being a yoga maya she was born almost at the same time as krishna right and um, she is known as subhadra so she should be of the same age as krishna so um, at what age they actually got married and and she was not an old woman when she married of course um so yeah it's quite kind of um, interesting to understand when actually they, what age they actually got married um so yeah these things uh, are a little bit of a mystery but anyway <laughs> the lord is navayogana and yogamaya she is the spiritual energy of the lord she must also be navayogana even uh, radharani they had 100 years of separation i mean krishna and radha krishna did not become old neither neither did radharani so they are always navayogunam so kind of maybe that that is the explanation so again i'm not uh, i'm not conclusively telling this but as we understand that is the point so pradyumna is definitely as i understand older than abhimanyu so next question by devaki mata ji again this is this question is also from her nephew in fact just to digress a bit um okay this question is about reference to marriage of radharani and krishna by lord brahma okay this is actually in the brahma vaivarta puran chapter 15 of brahma vaivarta puran is about radha krishna vivaha the whole story so anyway uh you there is a i think link to this i can maybe share the reference with you i will put it in the comments in a while but just before that um regarding this time frame like w- how old is everybody in the in the, the characters of mahabharat when i read uh, a version of the mahabharat ajanya mataji is saying at that time human life span was very long is it so yeah in the dwapar yuga the human lifetime was very long 1000 years 1000 years but again it was right at the end of dwapar yuga and that's why even krishna stayed for 125 years um yeah so i i don't exactly know <laughs> but anyway nothing to be uh, puzzled about because the yoga maya is navayogunam so whenever they got married uh, abhimanyu was the son anyway um coming to this uh, idea of um, the age of all the characters in the mahabharat krishna left this world at the age of 125 and after the battle of kurukshetra he ruled dwarka for 36 years so if you minus if you subtract 36 years from 125 you will get 89 which means at the time of kurukshetra war he was 89 years old and shri prabhupada also mentioned that he had many many great great grandchildren at that age and arjuna was of the same age as krishna so he was 89 years old as well but somewhere in one version of the mahabharata i read that bhishma pitamaha was 90 years old at the time of kurukshetra war which doesn't sound right because how can bhishma pitamaha be the age of arjun absolutely doesn't make sense so what was actually the age of bhishma pitamaha so i was actually thinking about this um, last year or two years ago so actually calculated it comes to at least 170 years of age 170 and if you see um, arjuna was okay 89 years old and um, his father pandu 
say Pandu was maybe 25 years old when Arjuna was born, just arbitrarily, I'm just throwing these numbers, some, some logical number. So he was 25 years old, say, Pandu. Pandu was not even born when Bhishmadev was already in his youth. Remember, Bhishmadev rejected um, the marriage to Satyavati. No, what I'm saying. Um, yeah, because um, his father wanted to marry Satyavati. Which, uh, sorry, Shantanu. So he said, I will be a Brahmacharya, I will not. So at that time, he was already grown up. Say, at that time, Bhishmadev was already 20 years old. Okay? When he said, I will be Brahmacharya, I will not marry, I will not all this. So because uh, he even fought with uh, Parashuram at the time, right? So say he is 20 years old, okay? Arbitrarily. And at that time, his father um, married this uh, Satyavati and he had a son, Vichitravirya, who became an adult and he married Ambika and Ambalika. Amba wanted to marry Bhishmadev, he did, he did not want and then she became Shikhandi and all that. That's another story. So, Vichitravira grew up to be an adult. So, say another 20 years for Vichitravira to grow from, you know, say another 20 years, 40 years already passed. 40 to 45 years, 40 to 50 years have passed. By the time Pandu, I mean Vichitravirya <coughs> died after marriage, I think after 7 years or something, he died out of tuberculosis. So another 7 years add. So roughly, roughly about 50, 55 maybe years. Bhishmadev was 55 when Pandu and Dhritarashtra were conceived by the Vyasamuni in Ambika and Ambalika. So, when Dhritarashtra was born, he must already be 50 years old, 55, around 60, maybe 50, say 55. Okay, take 60 or take 55, okay, say 55, right? When Dhritarashtra was born, okay? Now, Dhritarashtra has to grow adult, he has to become adult and then he married Gandhari. So give another and Pandu also, they all they both became adults. Basically they were of the same age, just at the same time they were conceived almost, just a few minutes away. <clears throat> so they were both, let's say they became to they came to adulthood about 20 years. Right? 20 years, 25 maybe when they got married. So add another 25 to 55. So 80 years. When Dhritarashtra and Pandu married. Okay. So, 80 years. And then at that time they would have gotten pregnant. And then, then you calculate the age of Arjuna. 89 from there. 80 plus 89. 169. 170 years old. At the time of Kurukshetra battle. Arjuna was 89 and Bhishma Dev should be 170 years old. And at that time, nobody could even match him. Even Arjuna could not defeat him in battle. He had to put the Shikhandi in front and you know fight like, you know, in that way. How powerful was Bhishma Dev? I just wanted to, because it's about the timelines, when everything happened and what happened. So, I just wanted to share my thoughts on this. 
about Bhishma Dev. So anyway, now going to the next question. We have many questions actually. <laughs> um, next question by Bhaktin Sheetal Shah. Okay. Her questions are always tricky because she will ask a huge question in one question. So <laughs> let's see. This is also something like that because she's asking all kinds of references from everywhere in the Shastras for this. So we'll try our best. <laughs> of course, we can't, through, can't go through all the references. She's asking. So question by Sheetal Shah. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, please accept my humble obeisances. My obeisances to you. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hey, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Did I miss? Okay, I missed one question, right? I missed one question of Devaki Mataji. Reference to marriage of Radharani and Krishna by Lord Brahma. So it is from the Vaivartha, Brahma Vaivartha Puran. Let me actually just share the link here in the comments. I found it. I mean, I saw this message. Um, I found your question. I saw your question even before the class started. So I just googled it and it was just a google search away let me just write the link here okay i've pasted the link you should see in a second or two so that is uh, the story of brahma vaivartha puran where radha krishna get married actually there is no difference radha radha and krishna are always together uh, radha krishna nahi anya they are never separate but um, in, on this earth, they appear to be separated for 100 years. So, that is again, of course, their own Leela, Vipralambha again, service and separation. But actually, they are always united. Krishna, Radharani is just female version of Krishna. That's it. There is no difference between Radha and Krishna. I have posted the comment. Um... I don't know why it is not appearing on the... Do you see the comment though? I am posting a comment here. But you can't seem to see it. I will get the moderator to post the comment if it is not visible. The moderator can put the, the link there. I think my comment is going somewhere else. Maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> maybe you can post the link there alright so I am not going to go into the great detail about the marriage of Radha and Krishna um, and Lord Brahma conducted the marriage ceremony anyway I am not going to go into the whole details you can go and read that 